Well, greetings to everyone who is listening. This is the First Baptist Church of Strakota Audio Sermons. My name is Jeff. I'm the student pastor here. Uh, in whatever format you're listening to, we do appreciate your time in uh, coming here and listening to this sermon, uh, whether it's Spotify, YouTube, or even our website. We do appreciate you listening. Uh, this past Sunday, Pastor Steve was out. He was at home taking care of Miss Debbie. Uh, guys, I just want to let you know, if you're listening, we love you. We miss you guys. We're praying for both of you. Miss Debbie, we pray that you had a good, relaxing Sunday uh, and that this week will be a great week for you. Pastor Steve, we missed you this past Sunday. We pray that you had a good, relaxing Sunday as well, and we can't wait to see you guys again. Uh, this past Sunday, we had a special guest speaker, Director Norm Howe, who is the Director of Missions of the Muskogee Baptist Association. He was filling the pulpit this week, and he was talking about the three keys to life. And his Bible passage that he was using was 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Uh, a portion of this message he recorded uh, while he was on mission trip. He went to go see a people group called the Moy people. And just know that whenever you listen to this portion, uh, that it is in another language. I apologize that we do not have a subtitle for you to be able to read or a translator on the, on the sermon for you to be able to listen to. But take, uh, take note that this is them being able to hear the name of Jesus for the very first time. Uh, they were able to figure out their language and be able to uh, translate the Bible for them. And they received Jesus for the very first time, heard the name of Jesus, and received him. And this is their testimony in doing so. Uh, what a great time it was to be able to see the video, and maybe we can score that video so you can see it, and we'll post it on our website uh, or our Facebook. We do appreciate you uh, being a part of us, uh, whether it's here at the church or listening to this audio sermon, just know that we consider you guys family. So without further ado, we do appreciate Dr. Director Norm, and here is his message, The Three Keys to Life, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Well, good morning, church. I know this has been a rough, difficult week for many of you. It's also been, should be, a reminder to us that today could be the last day of your life. And we can never forget that and never uh, act as though that can't happen or won't happen because uh, the truth of the matter is, is that every one of us here will... Um, will pass on from this world somewhere. You'll spend eternity somewhere. And, um, and so we can praise the Lord that um, family members, friends, church members, Sunday school classmates, so forth, that uh, this man was a believer in Christ. And uh, you can be grateful for that. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. And the title of my message is uh, Three Keys for Life. Three Keys for Life. There's only two verses here. There's three great truths that's in these uh, passages. And uh, I think they're powerful passages for us to look at, to focus on this morning. And uh, so if you uh, found that place, and you can, would you stand with me as I read to you from God's Word? It's uh, it's powerful passage of Scripture. And then we'll trust God to speak to our hearts and to move us from where we are to where we need to be uh, in these uh, next 
uh, minutes and uh, the time span we have here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 19, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let me read that one more time just to help us to kind of let it sink in. And then we're going to unbox this, unpackage it, and look at it together. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? It's a question. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let's pray together. Father, we stand before you because your word uh, is our standard in life. Your word is true. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces deep into our hearts. We're praying, Father, that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us today and move in such a great way. We pray that there be comfort for a family that has lost a loved one, for a church that has lost a dear church member. But Father, we also pray that you would move and you would work in us and move us from where we are to where we need to be. That Father, one day as we stand before you, that you can say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into my kingdom. And Father, we want you to be honored and glorified in our lives today, throughout this service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. You know, I'm thinking, there's a couple different things here when I look at this passage of Scripture that I think is very powerful. And I've uh, entitled it, Three Keys for Life. And the reason that I've titled it that is because within this passage of Scripture, there's uh, three things that I think are very significant. And here are the things about that. That if you, if you will take these three things, regardless of your age this morning, regardless if you're a child, a teenager, young adult, middle adult, uh, medium adult, maturing adult, it does not matter, but if you will take these three things and you, and you will look at them from, the, from a biblical perspective, you can know that for the rest of your life, I'm telling, until you breathe your last breath, you will know that you are in God's will, that you are where God would have you to be. Three questions, I call them three keys for life because uh, they're very important things. You see, we live in a world sometimes that is very difficult for us to find which direction that we go. Matter of fact, this slide that I, that I this next slide will show you, uh, uh, do I go to the left or do I go to the right? How do I do what I need to do in life? Which way? And oftentimes we are confronted with those things. Every day, every one of us makes a lot of choices in life. This morning, you made choices. It may have been simple things. What am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to wear uh, to church? Uh, where am I going to park? Where am I going to sit? What am I going to... You know, those kind of things. But you make choices. Now, for some of you, you're making much more serious choices. Because you're going to be here today and in a little bit there will be an invitation time that's coming. And during that time the Holy Spirit of God will be dealing with your heart and your life to see where you are and what, how you're going to move and what kind of decisions you're going to make in life. And there are going to be eternal consequences because for some of you it will, it will determine where your destiny will be in the future. Where you'll spend eternity. For others, uh, you've already settled that issue. And so we have lots of choices that we make. Now, unfortunately, we live in a world that if we listen to 
say, our world culture, uh, to, to our news, to TV, to uh, so many other things, what we end up with is that uh, they would say that both ways are right, as this next slide shows. And, uh, and, and, and there are many people who are there uh, who would say, well, it doesn't matter. What, whatever your path may be, you just take your path. And you just do what you want to do. You live the way you want to live. You, you, you just kind of make the dis decisions in life and you just go do those kind of things. Now, we know that's not true because this next slide would show you that if that were true, uh, then, then this would be false. And uh, that would be that if you were going to St. Louis uh, and uh, you can't come to the sign and it says both directions. You know as well as I know if you're going to go to St. Louis from here, you're going to get on 69, you're going to head uh, uh, north on 69 to get 44, and 44 will end up in St. Louis. Now, if you, go, if you continue to go south on 69, you're not going to get there. Well, you could say, well, I can, go to, I can get on Interstate 40 and go uh, to Memphis and take the long way, way around, or I could cut over on 65 and cut up from, uh, through Arkansas and get to Springfield and head to 44. You can make the big circle. But the truth of the matter is, is that many times we make choices and we think that, uh, that uh, it doesn't matter what the consequences, the decisions that we do. And, and it boils down to even our everyday life. The little things in life that you do, that I do, places we go, things that we say, things that we watch, uh, actions that we take place in every day in our life. And, and so when we're looking at those kind of things, we have to come to the place to realize that what you're going to find, that the key to life is right here within the Word of God. It's as relevant as tomorrow's newspaper. Even though... The New Testament is over 2,000 years old. The Old Testament, uh, four to uh, 6,000 years old. We have a tremendous, tremendous book that can be a GPS, a guidance, a compass that will point you in the right direction for the remaining years that God gives to you in this world or until he comes back. Shouldn't there be an amen there? Amen. I believe that. Now, I, I've got a little video clip here. It's a short video clip. Now, my wife and I were missionaries in Papua New Guinea. We lived out in the jungle. Uh, we lived there for, uh, uh, for about, uh, we lived in New Guinea for eight years, uh, but we were, um, we were in the jungle uh, with, with an unreached, what we call an unreached people group for five years uh, called the Kakuna people. I'm going to show you a video clip. This is not premeditated. This, was, this is a, a very rough cut uh, testimonies, not from the tribe that we work with, but from a group of people called the Moy tribe, unreached people group, no exposure to Christianity. What happened when the Word of God came into their life? Uh, they heard the teaching of God's Word. They started with the uh, very basics of, of uh, creation, and they went all the way through the ascension of Christ. What happened? And listen to the testimony of these people as you watch this. So just a short little video clip. Now, it's not in English, so you have to read the caption down below. But I believe that it will give you a picture of what can happen when the Word of God gets into your heart and into your life as you see these unreached, never exposed to Christianity people uh, making testimonies of what God has done in such a short time in their life. Uh, let's take a watch. Let's, let's look at this. There should be some volume with it. Okay, there you go. Never, 
I wanted to show you that because I think often, and we live in we live in a in a country now that has been exposed to Christianity for a long, long time. But I believe that what we what we've also done is that we have gotten so used to it and so accustomed to it that we've just we taken it and we tried to blend it in with just the way that the world lives. Now, here was a group of people, you may not have been able to read and see all that they were saying, but here's a group of people with absolutely no exposure to Christianity, where they've heard the Word of God, and remember what the Bible says, the Word of God, uh, that it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That when you hear the Word of God and you act upon that, that it will bring a change about within your life. I believe that. And, uh, and so when we've acted upon it, now that's the key, because you see, if you never act upon God's Word, you'll sit here, it doesn't matter how long you're a member of the church, you will sit here and the Word of God will be as dull, boring, and dead to you as it was to these people before they ever come to know Christ. The only difference is that somebody has said, you've got to come to church. It may be your mom or your dad or your spouse or your grandparents or somebody that has said no. And you've gotten to the custom that every Sunday you come to church even though in your life you know that, that there's not a change and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ. Now you may think that you're going to get to heaven because uh, you're a church member or because of this or because of that. And that's why I talk about these three keys because it is so important for us. Because if there was no transformation, no work of God's grace in your heart, you didn't get saved. And you can say, I believe, but what do you believe? And is there evidence then of that belief within your life? Because our culture is against that. 
And as a result, we blend in and, and, it, and it's very difficult to, to, to distinguish in a lost world and three out of four people in Oklahoma are unchurched and don't go to church. Three out of four. Three out of four in the United States of America are unchurched and don't go to church. And so when they look at you, is there any difference in your life? Is there any difference how you act at school? Is there any difference how you uh, act or the things you talk about it on the job or where you're at everyday life, at the coffee shop, at the barber shop, or at a sports event? And so the first of these keys that I would like to share with you is this. Who do you belong to? Notice in this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul made it very clear. He said, do you not know? And he uses the words here. That would mean, do you not know the facts? Do you not know uh, by experience? Have you not discovered it? That you are not your own. He leaves that with a question mark. Do you not know? He's speaking to believers here. Do you not know that as a believer, you are not your own? And then he goes on to say in verse, uh, in verse 20, the first part of that, he says, for you were bought with a price. Now when we look at this, it's, 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 it's a, a, a great passage of Scripture. Because Paul's given the picture here of what was happening uh, during his day and his time. And that, that there was a lot of slaves, about 60 million slaves throughout the Roman Empire. Everywhere you went. And, they were, and a slave in that time was not somebody that was a slave according to the color of their skin. They were slaves if they were not Roman citizens. And they conquered country after country after country. And they made slaves of the people that were there. I was in the city of Ephesus. Your pastor has been in the city, uh, uh, have, has traveled to the Middle East and been in some different places also at times. But in the city of Ephesus, I remember looking up at an old stone uh, uh, part of a building that was there. And there was a hole in the corner of it. And I asked a tour guide, what's that hole there for? And he said, this is where they used to uh, uh, put chains through there, where they chained the slaves when they brought them here. And uh, this was the auction block and they would take these people and they would sell them off they would auction them off there and what the the, the word and the imagery that Paul is giving here do you not know uh, that you're not your own for you were bought with a price you you were a slave to Satan you say well I don't ever remember that no you were a slave you were dead in your trespasses in your sin there was no life. There was no hope. You weren't going to heaven. You could never do it on your good works, on the good things you could do. Never would you ever get there. But the Bible goes on to say, but it was God who was rich in His mercy and His grace. And He purchased you. He bought you. Jesus came because you couldn't get to heaven on your own. You can't keep the law. You'll never be good enough. And so Jesus came. And He... and and. And at the auction for your life, he said, I will give my blood. And the words that we find within the scriptures, and it's, and it's an awesome passages of scripture, because in Romans 6.16 it tells us this. It tells us, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. 
In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible teaches us there, it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. And so we've been purchased by Christ. We, we belong to Him, according to the Scriptures. And so you have to ask yourself in here, and this is a serious key, who do I belong to? Well, I have my own rights. I can do what I want to do. I can go where I want to go. I can say what I want to say. I can spend my money the way I want to spend it. I can live my life the way I want to live it. Can you, as a believer? No, you can't. Because, because you, you don't belong to yourself. You're not your own. You belong to Christ. And that changes everything about who we are and all that we do. And the places we go and the things we say. And the activities that we may be involved with or not involved with. It makes all the difference. And so those things are important. I'm reminded of that uh, great hymn that we've sang so often. And I'm sure your church has sang uh, that song before. Up Calvary's mountain one dreadful morn. Walked Christ my Savior weary and worn. Facing for sinners death on the cross. That he might save them from endless loss. Blessed Redeemer. Precious Redeemer. Seems now I see him on Calvary's tree. Wounded and bleeding. For sinners pleading. Blind and unheeding. Dying for me. Jesus paid for your sin. You belong to him. You're not your own. Here's the second key. Key number two. Who lives in you? Again, right here in this passage of Scripture. Who lives in you? He says here, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Again, if you follow this on through and you're not your own, he says, he ends it with a question mark. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you. Now, this again is a tremendous passage of Scripture because when we think of, of, of us as a temple, there were two words in the Bible that was used for temple. One of those words in the Bible that was used for temple would have meant a temple building, the building itself. We're in a, a, a sanctuary building or a worship building, you're getting ready to renovate and had a great offering uh, to, to launch ahead to do those kind of things. And so you, you could say, well, this is the temple. Matter of fact, I just got back from El Salvador a few weeks ago on a mission trip and most of their uh, sanctuaries they would call the tabernacle or the temple. And so, so when we look at those things, we think about that. Is that what he's talking about? You are the building, the, the, the temple of Christ. No, that's not what he's talking about. That's one word that's used in the New Testament, but that's not this word. The word that is used here gives us the picture of the Old Testament temple. They had the building, but within the Old Testament temple, there were two rooms in that building. The first room would have been the outer room, and you could go in there, and they had, uh, they had the, the altar of, uh, of, of incense. They had, uh, they, they had um, uh, the sh uh, a number of articles that they had sitting in there. Matter of fact, if you look at these things, they're all shaped in the shape of a cross, sitting strategically. God told them where to place them, shaped in the Old Testament temple. Even back then, the picture of the cross was there. But then what you find 
is that there was a big veil, a curtain, that was across there. No one, you see, the priest would, would serve in the first part of that building. They would go in there and they'd light the candles and they would light, uh, and, and they would light the incense and, and, and they would take care of all of that. But no one ever went into the Holy of Holies except one time a year the high priest would go in there. If he had any sin of any kind... Mentally, spiritually, or flaws, sicknesses, or, or, or infections of any kind. Immediately when he went in there, he would die. That's what they were told. Matter of fact, this is what they started doing. When he would get ready to go into the Holy of Holies, and he would make that yearly sacrifice for the nation of Israel, when he would go in there, they started tying a rope on him because they said, if he goes in there and he dies, who's going to go in there and get him? Well, then later on, this is what they did. They put uh, uh, the, uh, on the uh, uh, clothing that he had, they put little bells because they said, as long as we could hear the bells and we have the rope, at least we know he's alive and if we don't hear the bells, we could pull him out. He's dead. Why was it this way? Because... Inside of that Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat of God. It represented the very presence of God. They were told not even to touch the Ark. If they did, they would die immediately. The word that Paul uses here wasn't a building. He's saying, do you not know that your body is the holy of holies of God. That's what he's saying. Jesus said that we're to do what? Seek the kingdom of God first in all that we do. All these other things will be added to us. Paul says, do you not know who you belong to? Do you not know who lives within you? Now listen, if you, you get the first question right, who do you belong to? Some of you in this room do not belong to Jesus Christ. You may belong to a church. You have a family name. You belong to a family, but you're not a believer. Second of all, who lives in you? Does the Holy Spirit of God live in you? Is He at work in you? Is He doing something in your life? You say, well, what was the purpose for the Holy Spirit to, to, to live in us? Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit opens up our eyes so that you will understand the Word of God. You know why some of you have not understood the Word of God? It could be this very thing, that the Holy Spirit of God doesn't live in you because Jesus doesn't own you. The Bible says that in the last days, He's going to separate the sheep from the goat. And there are some goats in here. And they may run together with the flock. Jesus said, don't try to separate the wheat from the tares because you'll uproot both, but, but there's going to come the day when it's evident that in the life of the church, there are those who are saved and those who are not saved. They're both going to be in the church. 
And so God gives to us the Holy Spirit the very moment you got saved. The instant that you believed on Jesus Christ, that He died for your sins, you repented and turned from your sins. Listen, if you, you can believe all you want, but if you never turn from your sins, you did not get saved. It does not matter what you think. Oh, but I just live under grace. And I, I just, I just, I just, I believe. Listen, if there was no repentance and turning from sin, you did not get saved. We are to believe on what Jesus did on the cross and Him alone. The finished work of Christ. Turning from our sin and embracing God and all that God has for us. And so, the Holy Spirit comes to help us to overcome that sin. You're, you're probably like I, I was. I, I struggled with issues of sin after I become a believer. I was an unchurched kid. I, didn't, I wasn't raised in church. didn't get saved until I was 19 years old. But I'm telling you, when God saved me, like the old song that Carmen, the old uh, uh, contemporary singer from years ago, used to sing, Save to the Bone. Now, don't laugh, Jeff. Okay, you probably weren't even born when Carmen first came out. Saved to the bone. I'm telling you, he changed me. And he put me in the right direction. And I don't want to ever lose what he gave to me at the beginning. I don't want to lose my uh, enthusiasm, my passion, my desire uh, of wanting to live and to do what God would have me to do. He helped me to overcome my own sin. He cleaned up my mouth. That first time that I got saved, I worked at a... a, 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 I mean, when I got saved, I got saved on a Tuesday night in in February of 1978. And uh, and I went to work that night, and my boss put me on one of the worst jobs there was. and, uh, and, And he came to me about an hour later, and he said, Norm, he said, are you all right? And I said, yeah. And he said to me, you didn't cuss me tonight like you usually do. And that night, for the first time in my life, the Holy Spirit of God gave me an opportunity to say to my boss, who I did not like, I despised, I said to him, tonight, something happened in my life. I trusted Jesus as my Savior. At 3 o'clock in the morning, some of the other teenage guys uh, uh, that I worked with, two or three of them would go out at 3 o'clock in the morning. We had our lunch break. I worked third shift. And we would go out on a lunch break and, and we would go to a bar down the road and get a quart of beer. And we'd come back and sit in the parking lot and drink it. And that night, they said to me, Norm, do you want to go with, with us? Uh, we're going to go get some beer. And I said, no. And they said, are you alright, Norm? And I said, yes. And that night, I, for the second time, was able... I'm, t- I'm telling you, within, within uh, eight hours of trusting Christ as my Savior, uh, within eight hours, I shared with three friends that I, I don't need that alcohol anymore. By the way, two of those friends come to know Christ within the next three to four months. You know what our problem is? We blended in so much like the world that the lost people are not impressed with what we say we have in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit of God was placed in you to help you overcome sin. It helps you to make wise decisions in everything you do. I can make wise decisions just as we're looking at these things here. I can grow in God's Word. I can know this book that seems to be so complicated, but it's not a math book. It's not a history book. 
It is the Word of God that will transform your life. And you may know uh, the kings of Israel, but do you know the king of kings? You, you may know the 23rd Psalm, but do you know the, the, the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm? You, you may know the Lord's Prayer, but do you know the Lord of that prayer? There's a difference. A big difference. And God gives to you a place within the church family to do that. Here's the third thing, and the final thing that I want to share with you uh, this morning, and that's the third key, and that's who are you serving? You see, they all go together. Now, I'm telling you again, for the rest of your life, you can know you're right in tune with God, that you're blessed because, first of all, who do I belong to? I belong to Jesus Christ. He saved me. And it was He purchased me with His blood. Who lives in you? The Holy Spirit of God lives in me. So that, makes, that helps me to know, and I can make the right choices in life about even who I'm going to marry, uh, where I'm going to go, the kind of jobs I'm going to have, how to live my life that God would be honored. And then the third thing would be this, who am I going to serve? Notice what he says here. Paul says this in verse 20. Therefore, based upon the fact I know who I am, uh, who, I, uh, who owns me, and based upon the fact I know who lives in me, then Paul says, therefore, because of these two facts, then therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. In whatever we do, you can, listen, you may never be able to preach a gospel message. I had, uh, when I pastored in Branson, I had uh, members of my church that were millionaires. They had uh, multiple warehouses throughout the U.S. And, and employed lots of people. And I remember one of them, when he joined the church, he said, whatever you do, don't stick a microphone in front of me. I could never stand before a group of people and, and, uh, uh, and, and speak. And, and I realized that. Now, I, I thought it was kind of uh, unique because what he could do is stand before a hundred and fifty of his employees and he could witness to them and share the gospel with them but it was difficult when you put that microphone in front of him he did not have the gifting God gave to me is what I'm trying to say and so, so you, it, it's not just being a missionary or not just being a preacher that God uses. Every one of you, whether you're a school teacher, you're a mechanic, you're an electrician, whether you're a carpenter, a farmer, a rancher, a rodeo rider, a football player, it matters not. You can glorify God with your body, with your spirit, in everything you're doing. And when we do less than that, then we're living in sin. That's why God, first of all, purchased you by the blood of Christ. Second of all, put the Holy Spirit in you so that it would enable and equip you to live a successful life and a glory, not, not a trouble-free life. He, uh, that the pie in the sky, uh, uh, we can't forget that we live in the nasty now and now. And it's difficult, it's hard. And we will face things like the death of a loved one and accidents and tragedies and floods and tornadoes and hurricanes. My wife and I have been through them many times. And along with them, malarias and typhoid or other things that took place. Hurricanes, cyclones, earthquakes, mudslides. And all of them found, we found God faithful. And you know what? If we had died in any of them, I could still say to him, God, uh, I want to glorify you in all that I do, in everything that I do. That's the purpose that I'm here, because I can spend eternity with you. Not just a, a, a little bit of time, just a dot on God's timetable. Since he's created our world. Now remember, before there was time, God had time. And when there's going to be no more time, there's time. Because God created the time that you and I are looking at the time on earth. 
but he's an eternal God. And he wants you to spend eternity with him. And so here's the question. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Who are you serving? Makes a difference in some of the things that you do. I remember when I was in my first church. It was a a little country church in uh, uh, southern Illinois. And it was called Hoosier Prairie Baptist Church. It was about probably 60 miles from the Indiana line. And uh, uh, just country church. Corn farmers and bean farmers and hog farmers were there. And when I went there, they were really excited because they showed me uh, they just put in a nice new indoor bathrooms. I mean, you know, the the new pastor comes in. They wanted to show him the new facilities. And so I went in there and I I thought it was pretty neat. In my first business meeting that we had there, um, or it may have been the second business meeting, but uh, we had a business meeting and they said... Uh, you know, we went through all the business, all these kind of things, said any new business. And one dear lady hardly ever came to church, hardly ever came to Sunday school, didn't give a dime to the church ever. One time we thought a miracle had happened because we saw her put something in the offering plate. But she, put, she wrote a check out, put it in the offering plate, and pulled out two $10 bills. She cashed a check in the church offering. This dear sister, who wanted to make sure the church is always spending their money correctly, she said, I make a motion that we renovate the two outhouses out back. We had two uh, outhouses. You know what outhouses are. We had two of those out back behind the church. I didn't even know they were there because they had a grove of trees that had grown up and the weeds up higher than, than you know, than, than all that back there. And, and she said, you never know, you never know when we're going to need them. And I just think we need to renovate those. Well, there was a debate that took place there and they debated uh, uh, whether we should renovate or we should renovate these two outhouses and all of this kind of stuff. And so um, finally... They said, well, let's vote on it. So they, somebody made a motion. We're going to renovate these two old outhouses out there. And when they voted, there were about 30 for it and 30 against it. Now, if you've ever been a moderator in the business meeting, you cast a deciding vote. I was a new pastor. And I'm thinking, I'm going to cast a decision and split this church over outhouses. And so I did the only thing that a Baptist would do is say, well, I'm going to appoint an outhouse committee. And so we did. I appointed, I'm telling you, my wife's here, she knows. We appointed an outhouse committee. And, um, and I had to make sure I had some for it and some against it on that committee because you won't be balanced in everything you're doing. And so we did that, and they came back to the next business meeting. When they came back to the next business meeting, they said, Brother Norm, we, we, we want to report uh, on the, um, on the, from the outhouse committee and the outhouse committee says that we did some investigating went out in this grove uh, and someone stole one of our outhouses and didn't even tell us <laughs> we didn't know it was gone but someone come and stole one of them the other one the church got to growing by, by the way it was voted down at that point if we didn't know it was gone and it was missing it we're not going to need it now now here's, here's the point I'm trying to make to you we can tie up so much of what we do in things that do not glorify God. Do you think God really cared whether we renovated outhouses or not? No. Not when, not when three out of four people in Oklahoma is unsaved and lost and going to hell. I'm telling you, they're going to hell. If they die, not like our brother died last week, who had left a Sunday school class, wasn't feeling well, died later in the day, knowing that he has Christ in his heart. 
I'm talking about people who don't have a hope in anything. They're as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. They'll split hell wide open. And many of them are your neighbors. And we just don't think that God's that kind of a God that those good people would ever go to hell. But they surely will. You see, when we're glorifying God, we're going to do the things that a church has been called to do. We're going to, we're going to take missions serious. How is it that out of 7,000 languages in the world and 16,000 people groups, that yet 3,000 languages do not yet have even a John 3.16? In 2,000 years since we've been given the mandates of the gospel to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and yet there are places of groups of people that have never, ever heard even Jesus' name once. We've got to get serious. You see, if you know who you belong to, He saved me. He gave His life for me. I have nothing I could do except to trust and obey there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Nothing else we can do. Who lives in you? The Holy Spirit of God. To grow us deeper into the biblical things, the spiritual things of this world. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in light of His glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit will do for you. When my wife and I first went to these Kakuna people, no exposure to Christianity, we finally learned their language. I remember when I first uh, started teaching them, the first question I asked them was this, who put the first banana plant in the jungle? They said, well, we don't know. Matter of fact, uh, I was teaching uh, twice a day, every morning and every afternoon. And they, a village chief said, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to send runners to the next village two hours away because the oldest Kakuna man, Salomo, lives in the next village over. And he will tell us who the oldest Kakuna man is, or he will tell us who it was that put the first banana plant in the jungle. I said, okay. So they ran, sent the runners over there. That afternoon they came back, and I asked the question again, who put the first banana plant in the jungle? And these two guys said, we talked to Solomon, and he doesn't know. We don't know. And I said, I know. And they said, you know? I said, yeah, I know. And they said, this is what... These people said, never heard the, the gospel, never heard. This is the first thing they said. Tell us his name so we can thank him. I said, his name's Tananukita. That's the word that means the owner of everything. He owns the jungle. He owns the river when you put the hook in the water and you pull out a fish. He's the one who they, they had no calendar, no time, uh, no months. Uh, they, they, they had no seasons, none of those kind of things. And so they did everything by looking at the sun. And, and he's the one I said, when, when, when the sun is coming up over the mountain right here and you know that you plant your crops over here 
And you know that when the sun comes up over the mountain over here that it's time to harvest them. Who is it that moves, moves the sun for you? It's God, Tananukita, the owner of everything. He does that. Now, folks, listen to me. Who is it that determines whether you're going to live for the next 10 seconds or more? God, the owner of it all. And some of you are not prepared to meet God as your brother was last Sunday afternoon. And so that's why we have invitation times and that's what I want us to do this morning. You don't have to wait for a song. If God has spoken to your heart, you should just get up and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I need you. Most of the places I preached in, I've been in 30 different countries, they have no music, no pianos, nothing. We just give an invitation. Come. Come and trust Jesus. Would you come this morning? Well, you're fortunate enough to have someone to lead in music. And Brother Jim, if you would lead us, would you stand together? And I'm going to ask you to come if you're uncertain, if there's something in your life you need to deal with. Answer these three questions. Who do you belong to? That's a salvation question. I know I'm saved or I know I'm not saved. Jeff's here. He'll help you with that. The second question, who lives in you? That's a question for us as believers. Because if he lives in us and we know there's things that we're not doing right, then that means it's a time that we come and we fall upon our face before God and we repent to say, God, I, I have failed miserably, but I know that you have a plan for me and I want to live the way you want me to live. And then third, who are you going to serve? This is a, I think this is a family thing. As a family, moms and dads, we're going to glorify God.